played out and, and you had to battle ferocious beasts and you had to swing across vines and jump through waterfalls and they gave us the materials to make the dice and the cards and the figurines and all of this stuff. And uh, at the table behind us was uh, two of the prettiest girls in the sixth grade, uh, Katie and Heather. And they had made a, a board game about the Great Mall Adventure. You know, it was like the late 80s, so uh, that was pretty appropriate. And uh, they, had their, they, had, they had all the, the stores precisely mapped out. They had the location of the escalators and the fountains, uh, the food court. And, you know, from time to time, I'd kind of mosey on over there and check in on uh, the Great Mall Adventure and, and try to say something witty and compliment their board game, and then I'd kind of make my way back. Well, as, as we were uh, towards the tail end of uh, the wrap-up, the conclusion of these board games, everything was, everyone's just putting the finishing touches on, I decided to kind of mosey on over again and see how everything was wrapping up with the Great Mall Adventure. And um, on that day, in my, I, I, as I walked over, I happened to have a gobstopper in my mouth. And uh, for, for whatever reason, as I was looking at their game, I decided I, I really had to switch the gobstopper from this side of my mouth to that side of my mouth, because that's what you need to do, right? Well, in doing so, about a, a teaspoon of drool <laughs> fell out of my mouth, and I, it, it, it went in slow motion and landed, psh, splat, right in the middle of the Great Mall Adventure. I gasped, they screamed. It was a sixth grader's absolute worst nightmare. I think they tried to salvage it and turn it into a fountain or something. Um, didn't quite work. Uh, there was a popular song at the time uh, by the Bengals called Eternal Flame, and I, I, I'll tell you, I think for the rest of that year they sang the song Eternal Phlegm to me, um, which was part of, uh, part of the damages. So, um, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, <coughs> this sermon series uh, has also been a work of art, um, a masterpiece, like the great mall, uh, mall adventure, if you will, done by Chris and Bjorn and Sam, just tremendous. And today, as we bring it to a close, I am going to do my absolute best not to have another gobstopper moment in here. I work in marketing. This isn't my thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm really thrilled to be able to share a couple thoughts with you guys today. Um, and before we do that, I'd love to just quiet our hearts. I'd love to just be silent before the Lord and, and um, ask him to uh, give us the words um, that we can walk away with today. So let's be silent. Father God, we invite you to, uh, to lead us and to guide us this morning. Thank you for the gift of your word and for the Lord's Prayer. In Christ's name, amen. Before we read the, the scripture of the prayer, I've been spending the last few weeks uh, thinking about prayer. Prayer is mysterious, isn't it? In many cases, it can be difficult. It's one of the first things that I know I neglect when I'm busy. And when I do make time to pray, I, I find it's easy to get distracted and, and sit quietly. It can be challenging to be alone with our thoughts sometimes. Uh, sometimes we really feel a sense of prompting from the Spirit. We really feel compelled. And other times we sense nothing at all. The disciples, I think, struggled with these things too, which is why they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. The fascinating thing is that God designed it this way. He could have fashioned our communication to work any way he wanted. 
but he made prayer central to his plan. Maybe to help us slow down and to draw us close, to get quiet, so that he could work on our hearts and build our faith. It's really pretty brilliant if you think about it. Praying to God also gives us this chance to restore our souls and to fill us up. Some of us may remember playing the original Nintendo game, the uh, original Nintendo version of The Legend of Zelda. Uh, in that game, there was a, a life bar at the top of the screen that was consisting of a couple row of hearts, a couple rows of hearts, and every time you sustained an attack, you'd lose some hearts. If you lost them all, it was game over. Uh, but in order to stay alive, you had to refuel by drinking potions or receiving gifts or finding heart containers. The Legend of Zelda was an ongoing battle. And life isn't that much different sometimes. Life has challenges, things that make us anxious or tired or sad or feel fearful or frustrated, and we're so easily shaken sometimes. And prayer is God's greatest gift to restore the hearts in our life bar. It's a place where we can consider who he is and consider who we are. It's a place where we can confess and be renewed. Jesus gave us the most incredible example of how to pray. He wanted us to discover what was closest to God's heart and to pray that way. So let's read the Lord's Prayer together. If, uh, if you want to stand, that would be great. So this comes from Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Read together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we so have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So like I said, Chris and Bjorn and Sam did a, a tremendous job unpacking the gift that Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer. Here's the uh, Spark Notes recap for you. Uh, with our Father, Chris reminded us that we are God's children that we have his ear, and that his name is holy and worthy of all praise. Bjorn taught us that the, uh, about the kingdom revolution that took place when Jesus came into the world and continues to take place as the Spirit lives in us, both individually and corporately as a church. Sam explained that, that your will be done was an invitation for heaven to break through into earth and as for our daily bread, that God wants us to trust him as the provider of our needs. Two weeks ago, Bjorn taught about forgiveness, that we need to be forgiven, and we need to forgive. And then last week, Sam showed us that we need to ask God to deliver us from the evil one. Satan's endgame is to try to pull us away from God, that we might lose our trust in him. If you missed any of these messages, I strongly encourage that you go back and listen. It's absolutely worth your time. This morning's focus is the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You probably noticed that this portion was not included in the passage we just read in Matthew. In fact, there's a note in most Bibles where it actually says, some manuscripts include, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This, of course, means that while some manuscripts include it, others do not. 
In addition to those early Greek manuscripts that did keep these words, this phrase was uh, found in an ancient Christian document called the Didache. This word Didache literally means teaching, and while the author of the Didache is unknown, it's very likely that this was produced during the time of the apostles. It was a manual on the Christian life that included instructions on how to baptize, how to administer communion, and even how to detect false apostles. In writing about the Lord's Prayer, the Didache contained this conclusion, and therefore it became part of how the prayer was recited almost from the very beginning. So this phrase, for yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever, amen, can also be thought of as a doxology or a statement of glory. I read from one commentator that it was common Jewish practice to end prayers with a blessing or a doxology, sort of the way that we end our services here each week, with a benediction and a doxology. Finally, perhaps the best argument why this statement is worthy of our time this morning is because it's completely biblical. So here's a couple examples. First Chronicles 29:11, Our Lord, God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. And here's a cool one from Revelations 5:12. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. So I want to share with you where we're going for the rest of our time this morning. Uh, the, rem the remainder of my outline has uh, three sections, and forgive me that these sections sort of sound like weird game show clues, um, but this is the best that I could come up with. So it's this. Uh, number one, we're going to talk about a divine juxtaposition. Number two, we're going to talk about some mighty words that know no limits. And number three, living on a prayer. <laughs> All right, a divine juxtaposition. A juxtaposition is two things uh, being seen or placed together with a contrasting effect. There is a pretty powerful juxtaposition in the Lord's Prayer. Every statement, every petition is being directed to God as our Father. The Bible has a great deal to say about what kind of Father He is. Psalm 103 describes God as a Father of compassion. And 1 John 3 speaks of the great love that the Father has lavished on us. We know that God our Father is kind, he's gentle, he's always near, he's slow to anger. We're his kids. We're his family. At the same time, we get to wrestle with the truth that to our Father belongs the kingdom, all power, and glory forever. On one hand, we have the personal family relationship of a father. And on the other hand, these attributes that speak to his glorious strength and his infinite limitlessness. One of the coolest parts about living in New Hampshire is the first in the nation primary. If you think about it, a town like Dover has far better access to the presidential candidates than New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago or Dallas, and that's kind of crazy. 
Uh, through the years, I can think back to a, a meet and greet that I went to at Oyster River High School cafeteria with George W. Bush. Um, I can remember waking up in my apartment on Kirkland Street one day and seeing John McCain's tour bus parked right outside the Greek Orthodox Church. So I walked half a block to go in and listen. Back in the summer of 2007, a, a young politician by the name of Barack Obama and his wife were holding an ice cream social in the park next to the Jenny Thompson pool. My parents were in town visiting, and so they joined uh, Courtney and me to go see what the uh, buzz was all about. Pretty large crowd had gathered and to hear his speech, and then afterwards there was a rope line where you could shake hands and take pictures and so on. Well, we were standing in, in line to say hello, and right before he got to us, he stopped uh, to greet three older ladies who were pr had pretty determined looks on their faces. And as he leaned in, uh, one of the women said, I'll have chocolate ice cream, she'll have vanilla, and she'll have strawberry. <laughs> Barack Obama totally froze in his tracks. <laughs> he looked around, found an aide, and gave the aide the ice cream order, and then came back to the rope line. <laughs> These ladies were not there for the politics. <laughs> Future president of the United States taking ice cream orders. How can that be? I think that God wants us to live in that place that recognizes him as both the Father and as the all-powerful, glorious King. These identities and attributes are equally true, but that can be hard to do. Even in our modern practices, different denominations tend to have a different emphasis. I often tend to think that our, our Catholic brothers and sisters do a great job displaying reverence for God. Think of some of the great cathedrals the liturgies, the traditions, and how they give us that sense that God is holy and majestic. Meanwhile, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters do a great job focusing on relationship with God. You see it in the songs, in the prayers, in the messages. So what's our goal? Reverence for God or relationship? I think God invites us into both places. He's so much bigger than us that even if we had a thousand lifetimes, we still wouldn't begin to get our arms around how vast he is and how much he loves us. And that brings us to our next topic. Some mighty words that know no limits. Kingdom, power, glory, forever. We've established that these attributes belong to our Father, but they also are totally intertwined and fully expressed through Jesus the Son. These words are so big and so vast, so limitless, especially the word forever. Can you get your mind around the word forever? We all know what it means, but try to imagine for a moment a line that goes on forever. Envision, envision the very furthest part of that line that you can think about, and then keep going on and on and on, forever. We struggle with, with this concept because everything in our world is finite. Eventually, everything expires, right? The great philosopher, Jerry Seinfeld, shared this wisdom about expiration dates on milk. He said, how do they know that that is the definite exact day? You know, they don't say that it's in the vicinity of, give or take, roughly. They brand it right on the side of the carton, and they say, that's your day right there. He went on to say, have you ever had milk the day after the day? Scares you to death. 
The spoon is trembling as it comes out of the bowl. I smelled it, you smelled it. What's it supposed to smell like? <laughs> Everything around us has a limit. Our food, our clothes, our cars, our bank accounts, our lives on this earth, all finite. But not so with our Heavenly Father. God is forever. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So just as God is forever, so is his kingdom, his power and glory. As we mentioned, uh, Bjorn did a tremendous job explaining God's kingdom revolution that took place when Jesus entered the world about 2,000 years ago and continues to take place today through us, his church. His kingdom was unlike anything that the world could have imagined. It was an upside-down kingdom where all were invited. Had Jesus submitted a business strategy for his kingdom, no public relations firm would have ever endorsed it. No bank would have given him a loan. God's kingdom economy is so different than what our culture tends to value. Instead of being born into prominence, Jesus was born into relative obscurity. Instead of a celebrated vocation, he learned a blue-collar trade from his father. He never studied under the most prestigious rabbis, and the team he sendled, assembled would have been considered by most underachievers. He was drawn to the, the underdog, the outcast, the sick, the lonely, and those who were broken by their sin. He said things like, the last shall be first. Whoever wants to be the greatest must become a servant of all. He who finds his life must lose it. And as a result, people said, no one ever spoke like this man. The demonstrations of his power flowed from his love. He washed the feet of his friends. He gave sight to the blind. He fed the multitudes. He calmed the storms. He raised the dead back to life. And oftentimes when he did a miracle, he told people not to tell anyone. His primary criticism was directed to the religious leaders who were jealous of him, so they cooked up a plot to end his life. He was lied about, beaten, spat upon, nailed to a cross. His death and resurrection represent the pinnacle of his kingdom, power, and glory. No event in human history compares to this demonstration of love. Because of the cross, we could be forgiven of our rebellion and restored into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. This is the glorious kingdom story that God wrote, and it's a story that lasts forever. When Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he was directing all praise and glory to the Father. Meanwhile, we know from the scriptures that the Father was continuing to give power and glory back to the Son. The Father does not have a give-take relationship with the Son. Instead, it's a give-give relationship. Jesus said in John 17, 24, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where, where I am. Then they, can be, uh, then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. The Father gives to the Son. The Son gives to the Father. God gives his life for us so we can give our lives back to him. 
That's the kingdom strategy. So let's talk about where we go from here. Living on a prayer. Good old Bon Jovi. How do we embrace the Lord's prayer in our life? How do we walk through life knowing that our Father, the all-powerful, glorious King, has purposes for us? I think the first and most critical step is to identify the noise in our life. I remember attending a men's retreat many years ago at Camp Brookwoods. And if you've ever been to a men's retreat, you know that when you drop 15 dudes of assorted ages in a cabin together, there's going to be some ridiculous snoring going on. I remember uh, returning to my cabin fairly late on the last night, and a majority of guys were asleep, and there was a white noise machine going full blast, doing its very best to cover up all the snoring. As I was trying to fall asleep, uh, snores were flowing from all corners of the room, and I decided to do my best to tune out the snoring and just listen to the sound machine. But that became worse, because then I started hearing the pattern. The pattern! You ever heard a pattern on a sound machine? (laughs) Forget about it. So now I had snoring men and a white noise pattern. It was a hideous night of sleep. We all have a certain level of noise in our lives that prevents us from experiencing God. As we discussed earlier, it's, it's hard to, tu- uh, to tune it out, to quiet ourselves, and to listen. It's fair to say that we are far more distracted today than we have ever been in human history. So I ask, where's the noise coming from in your life? What's the biggest source of distraction that keeps you from coming before your father? Is it your work? Is it your schedule, the places you're devoting your time? Is it fear or worry? Are you really sad? Are you lonely? Are you spending too much time just being entertained? Whatever the noise is, ask God for help with that, because he wants to talk with you again. He wants you to remember that he is your father, and he is your king, and he has all power and all glory, and that he sends you out into the world with all of his strength behind you. So where do we need his strength in our lives and in our church? Here are a few places that that come to mind as we wrap up. The last couple years have been really hard between a worldwide pandemic and divisions across culture and politics, we've collectively experienced a lot of pain as a church. Some of us uh, might have hurt one another, and where that's happened, may we be humble and confess. Meanwhile, others of us have experienced hurt. We've had good friends walk away. We've said goodbye to our two pastors. And on our uh, journey wall over here, you see the evidence of events that caused a lot of sadness and division. And even though these last few months, uh, I think, have felt more hopeful, maybe it's kind of given us an opportunity to breathe a little bit as a church, we need God's kingdom, power, and glory to reign over these broken places. Father God, hear our prayer. 2022 has brought us into a new season as a church. We've been reflecting and soul-searching quite a bit. It's brought us back to many special memories, and it's also brought us back to some painful ones, as I alluded to. At the same time, there's been a, a gracious spirit among the people of Be Free. In many ways, it sounds like there's, there's more conversation and laughter 
than we've heard in a long time. And many have expressed a real desire to be unified in Christ, to grow in our faith, and walk together in purpose and mission. At the same time, there's a lot going on in this world that we need to be able to talk about with each other. We have to be able to have conversations, even on topics that we might not agree on. So we need to figure out the best spaces and places for those conversations. We need to be able to listen to one another and communicate with civility and grace and humility, especially in times when we don't see eye to eye. And most of all, we need God's kingdom, power, and glory to reign over our conversations and build our unity. Father God, hear our prayer. God has been very present through this transition. Uh, in this season, we have made efforts to improve communication and get, gather feedback and encourage more voices at the table. People are feeling called to serve in new ways. And this is building the church. It's awesome. We can celebrate the launch of a prayer team uh, so that prayer is available after the services under the chalkboard. Related to that, we have our uh, evenings of prayer and acoustic worship. We got our, our evening tomorrow. Hope to see you there. The Mercy team has been doing an amazing job caring for the needs of people in our community. Uh, we've got new volunteers in DIG and those assisting with all the elements that make the Sunday service run smooth, just to name a few. And there are other really beautiful initi initiatives that are starting to take place, some of which you'll hear about over the next month or so. And maybe lately you've been wondering, well, what are my gifts? And where can I serve at Be Free? Down the road, we hope to dive into that question with more depth. But for the time being, though, I'd ask you this. What stirs your heart? What energizes you? What sorts of things do you love to do? When you think about the answer to that question, uh, th if there's no obvious place to plug in, if there's an obvious place to plug in, go for it. If there isn't an obvious place, it's possible that God is inviting you to bring something new and beautiful to be free. And you know what? We will pray for you and bless you and want to help you with that initiative. May his kingdom, power, and glory lead you and encourage you to use the gifts that he's given you. Father God, hear our prayer. Looking back at our story has also given us many opportunities to look forward. We can ask questions like, where have we strayed from our roots? I think in the early days, we thought a lot about what it meant to be a church planted in the heart of Dover. We talked about investing in our city, cultivating authentic relationships with our neighbors, and spending time volunteering in the schools, coaching kids' sports, serving in places like House of Hope or the Friendly Kitchen. In many cases, we never intended to be a church with a lot of ministries. It was always important for us to spend time making a positive impact in our own city and being with our neighbors. Let's be open to how God might call us back to the basics here. We need God's kingdom, power, and glory to reign over our city. Father God, hear our prayer. Perhaps you've noticed that we have a bunch of kids in our church. In my opinion, our, our dig ministry has been the most impactful ministry over the years that we've probably had. So much to celebrate there. For the first time, we now have a substantial number of kids that are in middle school and high school, with several more uh, different waves of kids behind that. And we've prayed about these days for a long time. 
And you know what? God has really answered those prayers. We have vibrant ministries for our youth, like our middle school and high school community groups, as well as wildlife and young life, and they're all led by some wonderful leaders. Both our kids and many kids outside the church are being cheered for, loved, discipled, and are experiencing God through these vital ministries. So we pray for our kids that God's wisdom, power, and glory will draw himself, uh, draw them to himself that they may be a light to their friends. Father God, hear our prayer. Finally, we want to be actively praying for our next pastor. We pray that God would bring us a Christ-centered leader who will be excited to lead this church and feel a great connection to our city. We pray for wisdom and unity in our search process, in our recommendations, and our decisions. We need God's kingdom, power, and glory to lead us towards the next chapter of our Be Free story. Father God, hear our prayer. Clearly, there are many other things that we could pray for in our lives and in our church. And as other ideas come to mind, we can use the Lord's Prayer to guide us. We can pray with great confidence, knowing that God hears us, because He is our loving Father, and He is our King. He has all power and all glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, uh, help us to continue to come before you knowing that you are the one who has the kingdom, who has all power and all glory forever. Lord, help us to know what that means in our lives on a daily basis. Help us to surrender to you. Lord, we give you our lives and we give you this church. In Christ's name, amen.